This is a podcast from Minute Media. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 233. What is going on? I am Matt O'Leary alongside Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how's it going, my friend? Good. We were just talking about Blink-182 a second ago. We were talking about the, the, the words you can't say on the radio, and I just like... Uh, what's the word like I just pulled it from my memory uh, yeah. the Blink-182 song where they say all those curse words but I, I think the reason I did that is because before we got on the mics I was listening to uh, Cheshire Cat by Blink-182 okay absolute solid piece of, piece of music not like it's not gonna go in, the, in any record books as like the best album ever but like for like I don't know pop punk awesome just awesome vibes all around yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That's a good one. I like Dude Ranch a lot. That was the next one after that, right? That's right, yeah. So, yeah, good album. I love their early stuff. Just opening up with Carousel as a bass player anyways. Not a great one, but an okay one. Opening up with Carousel is just kind of like, give me give, give me the four <laughs> string. I got a noodle. It's absolutely fantastic stuff. When I heard that the first time as a kid, like learning to play bass, I went, ha! What? You can do that on the base? Ha! And I immediately spent four years trying to learn it. It was a lot less than that. It was like four weeks, let's say, trying to learn that thing. Amazing. Love it. What's, what about you? What's going on there? So uh, I told you after the regular pod, or one of the pods that we did. I, this is the regular pod. So the, po- the post game, I guess. that it's. Yeah. So I'll bring it on here, though. It's my dad's birthday this week, and he's turning 60 years old. So I got him a cameo, and it's kind of Islanders related, but it's not at the same time. So he's a is huge it Howie. Yeah, I got him a Howie Rose cameo. That's awesome. How he's did gonna... I guess that right away? I don't know, but that was a great guess. So my dad's a huge Mets fan, and obviously yeah. Howie still does the uh, Mets radio broadcast. And I got him to do a cameo, and it came out sick. I can't wait for him to see it. So happy birthday, Dad, and can't wait to show him that cameo. Uh, he's going to be stoked on that. Uh, just for curiosity, I wanted to get my brother a, a Connor McDavid one. I don't know if Connor McDavid does them. Are they pricey? I'm cheap. Remind, like, just, just, I'm cheap. So, like, depends. Pri- my pricey might not be the same price as anyone else. It ranges. You can get some for like ten or twenty bucks, and there's some on there for like two hundred bucks. Oh, <laughs> two hundred dollars is too much. Ten dollars no. though to get Connor McDavid to say like "Happy Birthday" to my bro. That'd be worth it. Yeah, absolutely. How he was on, I could give you how he was under a hundred. So I mean, that's good. Yeah, I in my eyes worth it. So awesome. Your dad's gonna be stoked about that. I can't wait. So anyway, let's hop into the episode today. Unfortunately, we were recording at probably the worst time to record a podcast because right, the freshest thing in our minds is arguably the worst performance of the season. And there was like in early in the year and during the losing streak, obviously there were some clunkers, but. This one against Seattle was just not how you want to leave off going into the All-Star break. Well, when you talk about those that losing streak particularly, you can kind of explain those. Not explain them away, but just kind of like, yeah, half the team is out with COVID or, or something of, of that ilk, right? Whereas that's not, you can't use that excuse with the Seattle loss. And, and I, I want to be clear. This isn't like, oh, they lost to Seattle. How embarrassing. Lol, 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 lol. This has nothing to do necessarily with Seattle, who played an okay game. This is all on the Islanders. They were trash. Absolute hot garbage yesterday. Yeah, no, without a doubt. The effort was just absolutely 
not there. So it's kind of frustrating that we have to record after this game being fresh in our minds. But I think the conversation now becomes it's two part. And the first thing we're going to do is can this team be the 2019 version of the St. Louis Blues where they went from for the well, the opposite worst to first and won the Stanley Cup? Or are they going to be sellers? Uh, I know which way that I lean, and we'll just talk through it. So we'll start on the more positive side. Maybe instead of saying, can they be? Can they do it? And we both say, one, two, three, no. How about we do what has to happen in order for them to be? Because like, I don't know. Uh, this is going to be a really quick podcast episode if we just do it the other way. So that's an important thing, right? Because, yeah, we don't want to just be like, no, next. Bye. Um but let's talk it out because that's what we're here to do, uh, or that's what we hear. What why we want to be here? We want to be able to talk it out. But so right now the Islanders aren't doing well. They're near the bottom of the Metropolitan Division, near the bottom of the Eastern Conference, and everyone's like, I mean, not everyone, but anyone who has hope is like, yo, guys, like the, the St. Louis Blues went from absolute bottom to being like you said first or at least third in, in the, the Central Division that year, made the playoffs, seeded, and won the Stanley Cup. So we could do it, right? Anything's possible. Okay, well, let's take a look at those St. Louis Blues from 2018-19. They, after 39 games, which is where the Islanders are right now, the Islanders have two more points than the St. Louis Blues did then. So the Blues record after 39 games in 2018-19 was 16-19-4. The Islanders, 16-17-6. So already already you're like, ha-ha, we got two points on the board, baby. But the big important part here is that the St. Louis Blues went on an 11-game winning streak. Yeah. Um, Now, again, we're we're doing the positive first, so I'm not saying this is necessarily what I think is going to happen. But over the last couple years on the Barry Trots, they have gone on runs like that where they've rattled off double-digit wins in a row. The only issue is that those versions of the New York Islanders look nothing like this version that we see, that which is just inconsistent from a night-to-night basis. That, that's absolutely true. Like The lack of consistency, specifically when it comes to playing for non-playoff and then playoff teams, is the wildest swing possible. It's like a metronome, right? Every other night, like, last win and just swinging back and forth. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. But when we consider, can they make that jump, Gary? Can they jump into a playoff position? We can't just look at the Islanders, right? We can't put blinders and say, like, the Islanders need to do this, and then they're in. Because there's a bunch of other teams around them that need to do X, Y, and Z to enable them to do that. Say what we will about the St. Louis Blues making that jump. Yeah, they had to win 11 games in a row, which is still possible for the Mm -hmm. Islanders. But other teams had to do either terribly or not. Or, Or where were those teams... When the I, I, after 39 games, right? Where were they in terms of points after 39 games in, in the standings? Um, and like there is maybe one team that was worse than the um, my god, the St. Louis Blues, sorry, in the central division that year. I'm just looking at the central right now. I understand that when it comes to wild cards, you have to consider everything, yep. but they they weren't in a wild card, they didn't finish in a wild card position. That's why I'm kind of ignoring it only the Chicago Blackhawks were worse than the uh, St. Louis Blues well that's not the case for New York they've got two teams that are worse at them with New York, Philadelphia New Jersey we do have to remember that the Central only had one uh, seven teams that year compared to the eight in the Metro 
Um, but like the, the, the big difference here is the teams ahead of them. Yeah. For the Islanders, like you've got four teams that are basically on 60 points. What? That wasn't the case for St. Louis. No, no, it, it wasn't. And like, I don't know who is going to fall off. Like the devil's coming back down to earth. We, we knew that was going to happen. We thought, okay, this, this team could surpass where the Devils are. But it's, I mean, just those teams, the, the Rangers aren't going anywhere. The Penguins aren't going anywhere. The Capitals aren't going anywhere. The Hurricanes aren't going anywhere. So that leaves you very, very little wiggle room. Yeah, it's it's just, it's really hard to be like, yeah, we can be the, um, the St. Louis Blues from 2019. I guess, I suppose we could be, but like it is not stacked in our favor because everyone else around us, and I'm just trying to get the stats here now. Um, Of course, I can't split by conference, which would be real nice, but anyways, through the, uh, on the 8th, if I could just do the 8th here, 2019, 1, 8, boom, get that on, mm, never mind. (laughs) This is not working out the way I wanted to because NHL.com doesn't make it real easy no. to get these stats. Uh, I'm just trying to see like who was like what were the points on that day, right? When when the St. Louis Blues had played game number um, 39, which is where the Islanders are. What were the points for the teams ahead of them? So the Blues were. I finally figured it out here. Where are the Blues? There they go. 28th in the NHL with 38 points, right? So we've already established that. Um, whoops, 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 whoops. Get stats. There we go. The St. Louis Blues were 36 points. Sorry, after 39 games, I realized I made a mistake here. So 29th, right? 29th in the NHL at that point. So basically everyone is ahead of them. Absolutely everyone in the NHL is ahead of them outside of the Flyers and the Senators. That isn't the case for the Islanders. But when you look at at teams, like you had one team at that point in the NHL with 60 points. One. And keep in mind, in 2018-19, there was more parity in terms of games played, right? Like, there are very few teams who have, like, five fewer games played like the Islanders do. You've got 40, 41, 42, 43. Kind of like in, in that range. That's not the case this year. So, again, one team had more than 60 points, and that was the Tampa Bay Lightning. No other team had more than 60 points. Like, that's not the case right now. No, no. They would need a massive collapse from one of the teams in front of them, which I I just don't don't see happening. And like they need the Bruins to start losing too and they've been playing pretty well. It's I don't know. It's going to it's going to be a long shot. I I was trying to hold out optimism for as long as humanly possible, but I don't know if it's just the recency bias of that last game leaving that awful taste in my mouth, but it's just vibes are bad. We're down bad over. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely vibes are bad for good reason. Again, like one team had more than 60 points that year. One. And like it wasn't even close to another team coming to 60 points. Like it was Tampa at 66 at number one, number two, Toronto at 56. This year in the Metro right now, there are three teams with over 60 points and Washington at 59. Don't forget, you still also have the um, uh, Atlantic that also has three teams at 60 points. Heck, the Florida Panthers are at 69 points. They have more games played, mind you, but still. Like, the the mountain for the Islanders to get to being the St. Louis Blues of, you know, of 2022 
is really high. It's one hell of a steep climb. They've got games in hand which help them, uh, but my they have to go on like a twelve game winning streak to to make this work. Uh, without that, I don't I don't think it works. No, right. They need to rattle off a double digit win streak now, like <laughs> on this road trip. But that's the thing. You come out of the All Star break and you have a terrible looking schedule where you have a West Coast trip, you come home for a little bit, and then you have to go back on the West Coast. Awful. Yeah, not fun. Maybe a road trip will do them well, do that like bonding thing, but like, guys, you went on the road for 13 games, you should have bonded then, no? Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. It's it's sad, but I'm getting there. I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm ready to throw in the towel. Yeah, I don't want to do it just because it's going to make the season unbearable, but that doesn't mean that if anyone believes that, I think you're wrong. Um, I just don't want to be... And it's, it's all kinds of other things going on in the world that makes me mad. I don't need the Islanders to make me mad. <laughs> fair. I think that's completely fair and reasonable. So Although they're doing a hell of a job doing it anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's not... Uh, they're not making it easy <laughs> on us, that's for sure. So should we transition and get into what the heck should they do if they... Re- okay, so... We'll play the game. By the time the trade deadline rolls around, let's say they haven't made up much ground or maybe even they've lost ground. So everyone's saying, sell at the deadline, (laughs) rebuild, retool. Well, there's really only (laughs) like two people that you could trade, right? Am I crazy? Is two the number? Well, no, there's there's more than that. But like uh, when when you say two, you mean like two guys of value, like that are going to bring you back something that's a worthwhile return? Yes. Yeah. Well, then, yes. There are more guys to trade, but, like, you're not going, like, here's the Dan Chara. Give me a second. <laughs> Sorry. No. Maybe a second next year. Maybe. If that's we're lucky. But, like, a second next year doesn't help a rebuild. That's not a rebuild. That's just not a rebuild. Right? Like, it's just not how it works. No. Yeah. You're kind of just cutting, cutting ties at that point to cut ties. But I will say this. But I, the two people that come to mind that you would move would be Chara and Parise because they're both veterans. They're both on expiring deals. You could move Clutterbuck, I guess. I don't think they would because I think they want to keep that line together, like it or not. I, I know there's a lot of people who don't want to see that, but I think they, they do. Um, Simeon Varlamov, I don't think you're trading in season. And, like, I don't know who who else is there. So my my list is anyone who's on the UFA. So that includes Kyle Clutterbuck. If he's wants to come back, then come back, baby. We'll 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 listen. I I don't necessarily want to per se, but um, the Islanders are willing to listen, and he clearly knows that. So like, be a rental. Go chase the cup. If you get one, great. Come back. If if not, and you don't want to come back, then you know whatever. But like, let him go. What are you gonna get out of that? Whatever it doesn't matter. It's something. It's better than nothing. Um, Zach Parise, you're right. Peace out. I, I love him. Love him. He's mm-hmm. playing very well, but like expiring contract, 37 years old. He also go chase a cut. You want to come back? Cool. Let's try it again next year. But like for now, just do your thing. And you're right. Chara, Green, definitely at oh, least one about, of those guys. I forgot about Green. That So add him to the list too. Yeah. So both of those guys. And, and then Scott Mayfield. I, I would trade Scott Mayfield. I mean, he's probably oh, the one and, who could give Farley, you the, of course. Yeah, he's probably going to give you the most value, I would think. But to me, I don't think of guys like that getting moved at the deadline. Usually, I think of guys who are about to be expired, expiring UFAs. 
Probably, but I think you can get more out of moving Scott Mayfield at the deadline because you got that extra year, right? You got that extra year of $1.45 million. Now you've got him putting up points like he's some sort of like offensive genius here, uh, which is great for us, but also good for his value. You you add all that and you're going like, let's go. And he kills penalties. He's physical. He's a playoff player. You can get a first round pick for Scott Mayfield this year. Well, if someone's offering a first-round pick, then hell yeah, buy, I'll drive Scott Mayfield to the airport right now. But um, yeah, maybe, okay, you kind of sold me on it a little bit. I didn't think that he would necessarily be an in-season move, but you could, right? And then who would you? what would your decor look like? If, let's say, let's play the game, you move Scott Mayfield, what does your decor for the rest of the year look like? You bring up Grant Hutton. If you're, sorry. Let me give you two options then. If you're looking to keep lefty-righty, you bring up Grant Hutton. If you don't care about lefty-righty and they haven't yet, um, you bring up Salo without a question. Okay. And we'll, we'll get to Salo a bit later on in the show here and, and why I said get, bring him up type of thing. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I think that's, again, fair. He's the one who's probably going to get you the most value. Varlamov too, but I just don't see him being moved in season. No, nor do I, right? Like, I, I know he keeps coming up, but, like, he's got a 16-team no-trade list. He knows this year isn't going well, but, like, he still has another year in his contract. Why would he be like, peace out, I'm gone, I don't want to be here anymore. Edmonton, what's up? Ah, m- maybe for a cup, but, like, who says Edmonton's cup, like, chasing a cup right now? Are they even in a playoff position? I don't, don't have know. the standings. Don't know off the top of my head. Couldn't tell you. Did Evander Kane t- totally turn things around there in Edmonton? No, but I did so. see him get checked extremely hard over the boards, which kind of made me chuckle. Not going to lie. Yeah. Edmonton is still three points out of a playoff position, and they have no games in hand. So against Calgary, who is plus 32. Holy hell, Calgary. Plus okay. 32. And a wild, sorry, that's, yeah, plus 32 in a, in a wild card position. Unbelievable. Wow. Good stuff. So maybe he says yay to Edmonton, but he, why would he do that for... Because he wouldn't be just chasing a cup, right? He's got another year in his contract. Well, I mean, he'd get—he probably get a lot of playing time there. Oh, that's for damn sure. Yeah, for sure. He, you're going to be playing sixty games, no problem. That's appealing, but again, I think that I look at that as more of an off-season before the draft kind of a thing. I 100% agree with you, right? Because uh, we ha- let's look at his salary because that changes things, right? Like, remember the whole Nick Letty debate? Like, oh, why did we trade Noah Devontae's instead of Nick Letty? Nick Letty was owed like $13 million of pure salary over the next two years before that trade happened, the, the Devon Chase one. That's why. No one's paying $13 million for Nick Letty in a bad year, in a COVID year, when they can get um, Devontae's. Sorry. So maybe that's the same thing here with Varley. Yeah, he's owed $6 million cash this year. Obviously, that would be prorated because some of that has been paid. And then that drops to $4 million next year. Okay. Yeah, that's movable. Like I said, probably more of an off-season thing, but that's still a movable. I look at it as a movable contract. Yes, I agree with you. You're, you're paying him less than his contract is worth on the books, so that that's always good, right? Because you're, you, even if he's not giving you $5 million, you don't care if he's giving you $4 million of value. Right, because it's only costing you that much. Exactly. Um, what do you think, like, obviously we can both kind of agree, like, Chara maybe a second round pick for 2023 where do you like Parise what are you looking at there maybe a third round pick 
I would say something like that, a third round pick this year. So anyone who's going like, let's rebuild, you're not getting like a bunch of big prospects. Like, and and even then, it's the Islanders. It's the Islanders. What do you like? Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz are still running this team. What do you think is going to happen when it, it, let's just say they bring in, they've got two first round picks this year, two second round picks and two thirds. Do you think they're going to turn over this roster with those picks tomorrow? Come on. Uh, you weren't born yesterday, listener. No. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. I'm more likely like, again, if you could trade, let's just use the two Parise and Chara, let's say are the two that mm-hmm. go. And it's a third this year for Parise. And you do like the Andy Green light deal where you get a second round pick in 2023 for Chara. I think you're looking at more of your retool happening in the offseason. Because then, like we said earlier, you could move Semyon Varlamov, and that's another $5 million available. And then that puts you in play for signing a free agent like uh, Johnny Gaudreau or uh, Forsberg from Nashville. Like, there's going to be options. They have currently $13.7 million of projected cap space, and they don't really have any big fish to sign. Sure, they've got Noah Dobson and Sebastian Ajo and Kiefer Bellows as RFAs to resign, but do you think any of those are are getting big money deals? No, I think you're going to see Noah Dobson get like the Pulak Bridge deal at like two or two and a half million, somewhere around mm-hmm. there probably. Uh, Bellows, what the hell do you get Bellows? Like a million, a mil- maybe? At the most, right? Yeah. And then Salo, I don't know, two years at 800000 against the cap? Like, uh, like Devonta- the Devontae's bridge deal was two for 700000 So maybe, you know, inflation and the market changing, maybe he gets 800000 instead or something. Yeah, no, exactly, right? So there's not a whole lot there to re-sign in terms of big money deals. You got a lot of minor money deals. Sure, you've got some UFAs, like if they're bringing back Cal Clutterbuck, but they're not bringing him back at three and a half. It's going to be probably one and a half. Yeah, yeah. So you spend an extra one on the the, the 13.7. And then if you do like you move Varley, you've got $19 million to play with. Let's say 15. Let's bring it down to 15 just to say like a couple of contracts have been signed to fill in some depth roles. You've got $15 million to play with. You can sign Connor McDavid and someone else. <laughs> right. But like then you could you could add you could look to add your puck moving defenseman and a um a forward too. And if you're bringing in first round picks, you know who's looking to rebuild? Arizona. If you're really dead set on Jacob Chitrin or Chikrin, sorry, you could bring in those picks and be like, "Here you go, Arizona. We don't need a second first round pick." We're fine with the one we have now, but we'll give you the higher one and something else. Here you go. Boom. Look at that. Oh, that looks a lot more appealing. You bring him in and then you still have all that money to play with. Something's starting to look good here. Right. Because theoretically, Semyon Varlamov could, I think he could get moved for a first round pick in the offseason. I'm not so sure on that, but like, I, I don't want to argue about it because I, when it comes to trades and what comes back, it's all um, subjective, right? Like no one thought that we would get um, two like, two picks, two first round picks, essentially out of Griffin Reinhardt. But here we are, right? And, and goalies is always kind of weird too, and that's a tough one to project uh, the trades onto. I feel like, but um, was it Grubauer who was with the um, the Capitals that got traded? It was Grubauer, mm-hmm. right? 
It was Grubauer to Colorado. For it was for a second, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was a first and a second. I'm pretty sure they sent a, like a late round first for him. Let me bring him up if I can. Grubauer trade history. Oh, you're right. It was just a second round pick. Sorry to uh, to Washington. So Washington acquired a second round pick, 47th overall for Grubauer and Orpic. Right, because they got Orpic's contract that they bought out. Right. I. Um. What was he gonna say? I I think based on what he's done over the last few years and his playoff experience, that his value would be higher than that. But even if the floor is a second, then you're still in pretty good shape for if you had to move your first round pick in a trade for, let's say, Chitrin, then you would have two second round picks. And you could kind of survive that move if you have two seconds. And we've seen, you know, Gar Snow packaged two second round picks for late first a number of times. Sure. Brock Nelson, Joshua Sang, and Anthony Bovidier. Sure. Yeah. There's ways to get creative to get back into the first round. So there you go. Uh, I, I think that the point that we're trying to make here with, with all this is that there's movement to be made. Um, there's dude, If you're going into thinking we need to have a rebuild, think again. It's just not going to happen. The, the, this, this is not a teardown. Just keep Barzell and no one else. Scorched earth. Do you think anyone's picking up Anders Lee with $7 million for the next four years? No. And, and then the, the host of other veterans. No, it's not happening. And maybe someone says, like, well, then why should we have them? Well, they're they're having a rough year right now. But, like, you add, you retool around these guys. I, I, I say look out. Look out, NHL, if you retool around these guys. Right. The core... There is a good core here. It's just not working, and you have to retool and play with it a little bit. And yeah. I, I hate this comparison because the Islanders' core, as currently constructed, wasn't as good as this team that I'm about to compare it to. But remember when the Tampa Bay Lightning went on those couple deep runs, and then they missed the playoffs for a year, kind of reevaluated, and then went back and had a couple nice years in a row right after that? I don't know. Maybe the Islanders take a page out of that and can – you know, reevaluate, bring in a couple of new guys and go from there. Yeah. The only problem with, with any comparison, obviously, and it's just with Tampa, it's that their problem is that they didn't have good depth, right? They, they didn't have solid depth in the lineup. We have that. We don't have what Tampa has, which is elite doubt. <laughs> we don't have that elite doubt, but we can get it though. No, but if Johnny Gaudreau hits the market and you have $15 million plus to play with, I mean... That's a guy who's going to give you 30 goals and 70-plus points every year. Yeah, and you get one more elite-level defenseman. What would have been a first-pair defenseman on another team? Like, I'm bringing up a Ryan McDonough comparison here. You bring a Ryan McDonough in type of thing. Okay, now you got four pairs, two pairs, sorry, four defensemen, two pairs that are solid, that are pretty damn solid. Okay, all right, now, and you've got Sorokin behind. Like, there, there's, yes, we will not beat Tampa 2.0, but your point is well taken. It's a, okay, this is what we've got. This is what we're missing. How do we get to fill the missing gaps as best as possible? I, I, I would not I would not be shocked if they, they're able to be very active on, on the free agent front. And, and look, we just saw it today with The Athletic, right? They pulled a bunch of uh, agents. And was it? They were fourth on the list in terms of where agents said you should go? Well, I mean, think about it. They This year, again, bad, but they have one of the most well-respected general managers in the sport, one of the most well-respected coaches in the sport, 
a relatively new practice facility, a brand spanking new arena. You're a train ride away from Manhattan. You could live in Manhattan in the city if you want to, or if you want to live in the suburbs, you go to Long Island. You can do all that. That's why they're the the fourth. It was Toronto, Tampa, Toronto, Philly, and Islanders. That is not something that we would have been, we would have figured could have happened like three years ago. Now, wait, the Islanders are the fourth best. We were on the, like, what, the three most common teams on no trade lists? Yeah, that was maybe like five or six years ago. And then it it's flipped fully, right? 360 flip on that. I mean, we already saw it this year. We talked about it in the offseason when you had guys like Zach Parise and Zidane Ochara saying, I want to take a veteran minimum deal to play and try to go get a cup. Obviously, it's not working, but it's the the point is it's a destination. It is, 100%. So that, that certainly helps us when it comes to the retooling. But if anyone, again, the point here is that the what the Islanders need to do is retool, not rebuild. If you're pro-rebuild... Yeah, I, no one is against a rebuild. It's just everyone's against the rebuild today. Yeah, I don't think it makes sense, though. It, it just doesn't. Maybe in 24, 25, when you've got guys like Bailey and Bo off the books, although you could certainly trade Bo and, and get, get something better than he is, as well as Martin, now, now you're starting to see some of the bigger pieces move off the roster. All right, we're getting closer to a, a rebuild situation then. Right. But then your core is going to look a little bit different because it's going to be the younger guys like Salo, Dobson, um, Wallstrom, Barzell, which yeah. is still uh, okay. Ratu. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed for Ratu, yes. <laughs> Everything is crossed right now. <laughs> yeah, that would be a nice addition. 100%. So, but you're right. Like uh, By then, you, you, your core looks a little bit different, so maybe the rebuild has advanced a couple of years. But either way, the rebuild is not today. Agree. So with that, should we talk about down on the farm now? See what the younger guys are doing? Let's do it. So I, I teased a little bit earlier, uh, Robin Sallow. If you haven't seen it yet, by the time this episode comes out, Robin Sallow has been moved from the taxi squad to the minors. <gasps> everyone's oh, shocked. no. No. I hate it. But remember, everyone, the taxi squads, the second the game was over with Seattle, the taxi squads stopped existing. They were no longer a thing, and Robin Sala was the only member of the Islanders on the taxi squad. And without him on the roster, they were already full. They already had 23 of 23 without him. There was no room for him on the roster. So the only option was to move him down, unless they kept him, but he's waiver-exempt. So why the hell not? No, why and- like risk losing someone for nothing? Correct. And also, wouldn't you rather him play than just sit in the press box? Right. And now the Islanders don't play till the ninth, I think it is, right? In Seattle, right? Is it right back in Seattle no, that they Vancouver. play? Vancouver, you're right. Sorry. Oh, that's going to be a late game. Either way, they're in Vancouver on the ninth. Bridgeport plays uh, in, in a couple of days. They play on Friday. Get him some playing time. Sure. They won't play until the 11th after that, but still, get him some playing time. Why not? Yeah. And they don't seem to want to use him on, uh, like every day, right? He played 12 minutes and 48 seconds the last time out. Come on. Yeah, I don't... I guess. I mean, whatever. Yeah, it, it, it not... is what it is. If anyone is mad that he's not on the roster, just, like, come on. I, I know we have this kind of, like, narrative that Barry Trotz doesn't like uh, rookies. 
this isn't that. This is not that. And if you think Robin Sal is taking us to the promised land single-handedly, I got another thing for you. And, like, just taking a step back for a second, was he great? He was fine, but you're right. No, he wasn't great. No, which, that's... He he didn't do what Devon Tays did, where it was like, okay, we can't take this guy out of the lineup. It, well, he didn't play at that level, at least no. in my eyes. I, I know you feel the same way, and obviously Barry does too. Yeah. We got to remember, Devon Tays was two years older when that happened, right? He was 24. Robin Sal just turned 22. And he had, he being uh, Devontae's, more AHL experience under his belt than Robin Sala does. Robin Sala's got, like, what, 12 games of AHL experience? Yep. Sorry, 14. Like, come on now. Let's let's chill a little bit here. This is fine. It is not the end of the world at all. No, absolutely not. Um, There's a few more prospects I wanted to bring up. Uh, Mainly, uh, I wanted to bring up uh, Bodie Wild. Now, I don't know if I can share my screen. Can I share? I can share slide, share screen. There we go. I want to share it with you. Okay. Don't don't show this tip again. I want to show you the ice time. So I'm going to tweet. I'm going to do a video on this on, on my channel, but I want to share it with you here. I'm going to talk about it with, with everyone, obviously. So you're seeing a graph right now, I believe, right? Hang on. And you okay. can... There you go. You see that graph I've got here? Okay, yeah. This is time on ice per game for Bodie Wild. And it starts above 20. And you see that trend line? <laughs> For those, okay, this is an audio platform. I'm going to describe it. Yeah. You know, you know when you go to those, uh, the fairs, and they give you those little potato sack things, and then you climb up and you go down those slides? <laughs> it's, just, it's basically one of those slide things all the way down. It's based, the trend line to Bodie Wild's ice time is basically 45 degrees. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. And you can see a couple of those lines dip down to zero. That's not because he wasn't on the team because of like illness. He was the seventh defenseman and just didn't play. Mm. So he's listed on the roster. He suits up. He puts on a jersey, but never plays. And this is closer to the end to where we are today. He, he didn't play yesterday because of illness. But the two games prior to that, he also didn't play because they just didn't play him. That's really not good. So things aren't going necessarily well for Bodie Wild um, at the AA, at the uh, Allison Scons. I was going to say AHL level, the Allison Scons level. Um, he's just not a factor for uh, uh, Vastervic, and that's kind of an issue because you would expect someone who you know should be in the top four at least for Bridgeport to be doing something at the Allison Scons level, the second tier Swedish hockey. And he is not. Yeah, and that's the thing too, right? Like our expectations were pretty high for him because, at least from my memory, that draft class, he was thought to be a first rounder or a late first rounder, ends up going in the second round. You're like, all right, the Islanders locked out. They got a guy who's supposed to go way earlier here in the second. And then it really hasn't been all that great for him ever since then. It really hasn't. Well, like the AHL has been okay, and then you've got the whole not vaccinating thing, which is a no-no in Lula Rose's team. Say whatever side you're on on this, it's a no-no. And then he goes to the Allison Scons because they're like, well, at least we're going to get you to play. And yeah. then he doesn't play very well and isn't really playing right now. No. So things not trending in the right direction for Bodie Wild. Uh, and then I want to bring up uh, Jakob Skarik, who okay. has been... 
the goalie of the month for the AHL this this month. That's good. Five zero and two in his last seven games played, his last seven starts. And consider there's also a, a part where he takes over for um, Corey Schneider between that and stops eleven pucks. So you're, we're not even counting those for a full eleven out of eleven. He has been lights out for the Bridgeport Islanders over the last couple of games, the last couple of like seven games straight. He's been unbeaten in regulation. Um, from the games I've watched, he's tracking the puck well. He's calm in the net. Uh, he doesn't get phased when they do give one up. He's really good, man. I, I'm not going to say he's going to be an NHL starter, but he's got NHL caliber, even if it comes to being a backup. That's a good sign. I mean, we talked about in the last segment, potentially moving Varlamov, so... Maybe he's the guy. Yeah. If they move Varlamov this year, I'm still kind of like, uh, I wouldn't play him necessarily because he's not going to play every game. But if you're of the mind, like he has to play, why not? Fine. I don't want to argue about that. Right. Um, but there's there's something there with Jakob Skarik. There, there's definitely something there, which makes all the sense in the world as to why the Islanders are chasing Matt Gusta at the OHL level. He's an overager playing really well for the Barry Colts. They've got an interest in him. I don't know if they're going to get him, but we'll see. They they might just like sign one of their own guys in the prospect pool, and by that I mean Henrik Tikkanen. Because I don't think they're going to sign Tristan Lennox just yet. No, he's been struggling too, right? Yeah, the team in front of him is hot garbage, like a pile of hot garbage on fire, just a bus fire or a tire fire with a bus on a train track and the, next to a hot steaming pile of baby diaper garbage. That's how bad the Saginaw Spirit are in front of uh, Tristan Lennox. Yeah, not great. Yeah, he allowed five the other day in two periods. Not great, but like, and he didn't look good in that. But after a while, you got to be like, come on, can I get some defense? Like he looks yeah. weak. His glove hand looks weak, but there's some times where he's pulling out. Like I, I did it on the channel just today. He stops a two on zero, a two on zero, and he stops it. Pfft, wild. That's good. Yeah, but we got to keep in mind that Tristan Lennox is 19 years old, whereas Henrik Tikkanen is 21. So let's, yeah, let's give Tristan Lennox a little bit of time here. Agree. Um, and then the last one I wanted to bring up is Aturatu because Why not? everyone loves Aturatu. Uh, put up a clutch, clutch goal to defeat Luko the other day. So Luko's on an 11-game winning streak coming into this contest with Yukurit. You could, by the way, are in the top three. They were in 10th position when, when, when Aturatu came in. They were even lower than that before Aturatu showed up. And it like, shows you that they're, they're making that step up. As Tia keeps reminding me, like, yes, Aturatu is helping. But like, they, they were already on the way up before Aturatu came. It's just kind of helping them a lot more. Gotcha. Um, but four seconds, it was tied 1-1. Four seconds left. Aturatu near post bangs it in. Clutch. Epic clutch goal to win it. But the big takeaway out of that, that I would say this week for Aturatu, is that in the last couple of games, so against Luko, and I forget the last game who the uh, opponent was. He's going to kill me, but it doesn't matter. I'm dead anyways. Um, The last opponent. It was a playoff atmosphere. Both both games were like low scoring games. They were physical. They were grindy. They were tough. And Aturatu was the top line center in both games and was elite. Stood out, creative, shut down, sent pucks towards the net. He's already above that level. He's 19. 
that's great. I can't wait to see him in North America now. Like now, get him here now. <laughs> yeah. If you're not excited about Aturatu, get excited. I love it. I can't wait to see him even at the AHL level. I just I can't wait to see him over here. Man. So there was another portion where you saw Aturatu. I, I tweeted out Aturatu speaking to Edu Lucas after the game. And so I asked him, I sent a text to, to Atu, like, what did, you, what did you guys talk about? What was that all about? He's like, dude, I just went up and said he's doing a heck of a role, a heck of a job there for TPS in that, because he's a role player at Dulucius, right? He's a fourth liner, mm-hmm. kind of third liner. And to, just I wanted to tell him that he's absolutely electric for them. He said he's doing a, a, a really good job. And he is. Eto Lucas is absolutely killing it for TPS playing on their fourth line. Um, and, and to see him go over and be like, dude, like you're killing it over there. Is really nice to see. Love that. That's awesome. Also, he was making summer plans, being like, dude, I'm going to be in Turco over the summer. You want to hang out kind of thing. Good for him. Yeah, you <laughs> so can have, like, make, some, make some summer plans. Why not? Why not? And like, yes, they're, they're on opposing teams, but they're also Team Finland teammates. Yeah, who cares? So like, and oh, one last thing, right? I almost forgot this. Double IHF, the World Junior Championship, is probably seemingly coming back in August. We might have the world juniors in August, so keep your peepers peeled for that. Interesting. Okay. Thought that was the last tidbit. I just I was just thinking of Finland, and I was like, oh yes, I forgot they're going to be teammates maybe in the summer. I'm glad that you threw that in there. Perfect. That was it. Yes. As we do every week, I start this off the same way, but I don't have a script. This is off the top of my head. Uh, I'm lazy, so I like to say the same things over and over again. Anyways. Mystery New York Islander for you at home and you, Matt, to guess. Specifically, you, you Matt, because I can't hear you at home. Um, you have five clues to guess who this player is. They get progressively easier as we go because I want to give it away. Are you ready? Sure. Let's do it. Clue number one. I was drafted by the Rangers. Um. Okay. Next. Two. I played for six different NHL teams and the Rangers wasn't one of them. Next. I played five NHL games with a 925 save percentage and a 208 goals against average before the Islanders traded for me. Okay, next. So we know it's not Grice, right? Because they didn't trade for him. Um, Four. I was given the crease when DiPietro and Poulet were out, and I did well. This is with the Islanders, obviously. I don't know why I said that. Al Montoya? Yes! Let's go. My last one was my first name is Alvaro, not Al. Okay. There you go. So good job by you. That's five. I don't know why Al Montoya came up. I was just looking for players, and Al Montoya is the one name that stuck out. All right. There we go. I I like some early 2010s Al Montoya. Perfect. Love it. So there you go. (laughs) Al Montoya. Yeah, he was given the crease that one year. When DiPietro and Poulet were out and did very well, and then they signed him to a one year, and that was that. Yep. That's that's the way it went. Let's get to the social segment. We'll see what's going around on Isles Twitter. What do you got for us today? First one here I've got. Let me just get it up over here there. It's taking a second here. So Zach Liang from Oilers Nation says, Report, Chicago Blackhawks interviewing ex-Edmonton Oilers general manager Peter Chiarelli for front office role. Mm. So what do you want to give up for uh, the Brinkat? Bo, a second round pick, 
Nothing? Future the considerations? Tra- <laughs> the trade is one for one. <laughs> <laughs> How excited would you be if Peter Shirelli gets gets a job somewhere? I'd be thrilled. They got to take uh, Garth out of the Carbonite, wherever he is. And that was my ne- my follow-up. Love it. Like, how quickly then does he get a job that, like, Lou Lamarill shifts through the Rolodex to remember what Garth Snow's number is? Yeah. Even is though he he's, at? like, sitting at the office next door to him for 10 years. Yeah, what does Garth... Do we know what Garth Snow does? I, I don't... It's not listed in the, in the business directory. I know that much. He He's not listed in the business directory, so he doesn't have an official role with the Islanders. Yikes. But he's still around. He's still being yeah. paid. That's for damn sure. <laughs> oh, yes. We know that for sure. Uh, my first one comes from Offside Tavern. They said, and this was not on Wednesday. This was on Tuesday. That period was as smooth as at TLO Mitch pronouncing French Canadian names. And TLO Mitch, that's you. That's How me. about that? The little shout out from Offside. It feels really good. I just I love Offside. And then they te- tweet me and they they oh, they know that i'm french and they, they listen obviously so thank you for listening thank you for that it makes me feel good every time i hear it i'm smiling ear to ear right now can we can we get some uh french canadian pronunciations anthony beauvillier um who else is french canadian uh jonathan huberdo what about uh, pajot Can- jean gabriel pajot you gotta roll that r jean gabriel um he's a local ottawa boy that's always good. Who else is French? I can't think of French Canadian names off the top of my head. I don't know, but I I enjoy it. You make me sound like a, a peasant when I try to read these names, <laughs> and then you come out with like and articulate it so well. It, it's always about you got to roll that R. Jean Gabriel Pajot. Jean Jean. That's the important one. Oh, good Jean. good stuff. Love it. But uh, yeah, that makes me smile ear to ear. I, I love hearing that. It's just ah. Uh, mm. Anyways, what do you got? Oh, you already, you already did, did that. You're next. <laughs> I'm so stuck in my own world here. Oh, boy. Um, so, <laughs> this is from the Islanders' way, and it's the Chiefs head coach. I don't know what his name is. Andy Reid. Andy Reid, thank you. I was going to say Andy Green, but I was like, I'm not close. Anyway, he's throwing <laughs> a red a red towel on, on the field, and it's Trot seeing Wallstrom score, and it's being assisted by Char, and so he's throwing the red towel on the field. I oh, thought that was good. particularly hilarious. It's like, yes, we understand that Trot's is maybe harder. There's the word I want to use. Harder on rookies than he is on veterans, um, but it's from a place of love. Yeah, I wrote about way. that. I wrote about it this week. It's because he knows there's more in the tank and he's trying to get that out of him. I think so. I I 100% agree with that. I don't necessarily like it all the time, but I agree with that. Agree. Um, My last one comes from Andrew Gross, and he says, Isles D. Adam Pellick will compete in the hardest shot competition at All-Star Weekend. And um, did you know Adam Pellick shoots hard? I did not. I was like, I, when I read that, I said, Pellick? Really? <laughs> like, I'm sure he can, right? But it's just kind of like, all right. I, I'm sure they, they brought him in. They're like, okay, he's a defenseman. Defenseman shoot hard, right? You got long sticks, right, guys? And he's like, I could do probably more. No, no. D-man shoot hard. Done. In in, in the, the shooting. Like, come I on just, now. No, but like. Pollock or Chara, like, okay, yeah, that Wallstrom even maybe, like, okay, you could sell me on that, but 
Capella. Like that just seems to come out of left field. Yeah, I think it's they didn't know where else to put him. Like, do we put him in fastest skater? No, that's going to be embarrassing maybe for him. Although maybe not. Maybe he pulls something out. And you're like, whoa, what happened here? He brings Matthew Barzell's shark, uh, skate sharpener with him. Good. Um, where else could he go? Like the skills competition? Maybe. I don't know. But that's not really his game. I don't know. No. I think it just came to that where they're like, we don't know where else to put him. Do they have to do a skills competition thing? Yes. Apparently they do. Okay, so then I guess that kind of makes it make sense. But still, the, seeing that notification, I said, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> that was yeah. my genuine reaction. Hmm. My last one here comes from Eyes on Isles. I think we all know who they are. Mm. And they say, do they know something? I don't know. So this was you who tweeted this out. And you've got a screen grab of Islanders score. Case Zekas, 51 seconds left. I believe that was in the first period against the Seattle Kraken. And I'm sure you weren't the only one to receive that because not only do you get it from ESPN, but you get it from CBS Sports as well. What happened there? Does anyone know what happened there? I have no idea. I thought it was like, at first I was getting pissed off. I was like, great. Is this like when I was on Hulu and I'm like behind for some reason? Like, am I going to get like a goal (laughs) spoiled here? And then I'm waiting. I'm like, no, period just ended. I don't know what the heck this is. But sometimes, like every once in a while, that'll happen with like one of them. But the fact that I got it on CBS and ESPN, I was like, uh, something is very off here. I don't get it. It's really weird because it's not even like they came close, right? Like there there was a kind of like a decision, right, where they had to take it back. They were, I remember seeing that come across the screen going like, oh, I guess the goal is coming because my stream is always two minutes behind everyone else. And then I'm sitting there going like, well, the period ended and nothing happened. Like no dangerous chances, nothing. They were not even close to scoring. I'm going, where the hell did these people get this? And it's not like they could have picked up an old Kraken game. This is the first time these two teams play each other ever. Yeah, that was very bizarre. So I had to share. I was like, there's no way I'm the only one. So screenshot it, put it up. Yeah, so um, it's it's been a day. I didn't want to share a lot of negative. I saw a lot of negative stuff there, but like uh, it, it's been a, a week for Islanders. We all need the break, and hopefully they can come back and be better when they start playing again. Absolutely. So before we go, just want to mention you can follow along with us on social media at Eyes on Isles FS. My Twitter is Matt O'Leary and why Mitch is over at TLO Mitch. Facebook is Facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You could also uh, get us on the fan sided app. You could visit the website Eyes on for all your articles. And last but not least, you can check out the Patreon uh, where we do a whole bunch of other stuff over there for five bucks a month. You get post game shows, you get um, mailbag shows, and a Discord channel. A lot of fun. Absolutely, a lot of fun. We have 17 questions to get to in the mailbag today, buddy. How many are dumb spiz questions? <laughs> uh, I see one spiz question. I don't know what, what the level is. Two so far. Oh, look out, buddy. I don't know what they are, but I see spiz in the name twice. So. <gasps> Right. Look out. Well, we better get over there because we're going to be up to midnight doing this. So <laughs> that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Matt O'Leary. He is Mitch Anderson. And we'll talk to you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.